bowels of One Half Radio Plaza at Life Media Studios. Hello, folks. Welcome back to Real Country Radio. Congratulations, Detroit. You can be thoroughly ashamed of yourself. The homicide tool has reached a nice even 750. Details on the latest leveling from Police Sergeant... Coming up now, we're going to start off the set with... In the morning. It's 20 minutes before 12. The Hitless Tigers could use this guy's talent. Mount Clemens police have a 36-year-old man in custody. Seems he got home about 5 o'clock this morning from an all-night spree. That ticked off the little lady who unleashed a verbal barrage at the man. That apparently the last straw for him. He picked up his genuine Willie Mays power eyes lightning strike Louisville slugger baseball bat. Proceeded to hit a thousand on the woman's head. Pulled you up a chair and listen to this. Did we have the song? No. <laughs> Just use that. Screw it. All right. Anyway, welcome to Sidetracked. Powered by Dirty Hooker Diesel. And Diesel Freak. Simpico Oil. Cat Brothers. And uh, the Hook Magazine, so uh, yeah, kind of a different type of intro, just because we were laughing our asses off at what you heard previously. <laughs> Lightning strike Louisville Slugger. <laughs> oh, you never know what the fuck's going to come out of Sidetrack Productions, and welcome to our lunacy. We're back in the uh, Second Baptist Bar and Grill, which uh, always heightens the sense of lunacy sometimes. Yeah, we're going to be splitting duty here uh, between the Creekside Studios and uh, Second Baptist till we get our infrastructure fully up and running, which at the speed of Comcast fucking is going to take sucks. fucking forever. Oh, I did find back out from Comcast, by the way. They're, uh, they're willing to do the install and bring it down my road. And uh, they'll pick up the tab for 2000 of the 7000 that they want to charge me. I made a paper airplane out of that. <laughs> so for now, we're going to be definitely doing a lot of shows when yeah. I call in guests here, but that's fine. Actually, we're going to have to relocate some of this stuff uh, due to an incoming visitor. We're going to need the room. <laughs> yeah. But we got, yeah, we'll figure on. something out. We'll have to clean out the old garage or something. Uh, something actually... I did make one enhancement. I did find out we can do web calling through the phone, so. Yeah, but your phone service here fucking sucks, too. Well, that puts it through the web, which phone call doesn't need up that much bandwidth. Oh, okay, cool. So, welcome back. Uh, not much on the docket. Um, off week for us, of course, Decalb Super Bowl was uh, this past weekend. Some interesting stuff come out of there. Fucking disaster. Yeah, uh, Mini Rods, sorry about your luck. Uh, better luck next year. And I hope you can remove that large dick that got shoved in your ass. And Mini Rods will not probably be back because I don't think a single one of them was going to want to come back. No, it was... Eh, I don't want to be take, per, hitting on a promoter too hard, but it fucking sucked. Um, come on, guys. Watch the cameras. Oh. Come on. Oh, Jesus Christ. Got to give a shout-out to our buddy 2.5 by 5.2. The midget from North Branch, uh, <laughs> Ryan Walker, uh, taking the hack job down to Decal, and uh, having a good standing down there, really. Yeah, especially with all the problems he had, which brings up, if you happen to have a complete LB7 wiring harness, uh, Ryan's number is 810. <laughs> yeah, had a little disaster, unfortunately got saved by a broken smoke tube. Not the tube, the entire gantry that supports it over the sled due to a certain hot farm puller that, well, didn't know what he was doing. So What'd you do? 
So, but no, Ryan taking fifth place down there out of eighth, which doesn't sound too spectacular until you realize there's only two foot between him and first place. And and COTPC guys are completely different rules than uh, what 2.5 is up here in Michigan. So uh, hats off to him. Like I told him, that's basically a win. Could be more proud of our uh, good buddy from uh, slightly northwest. Slightly northwest. Slightly northwest. Mainly west, slightly north. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, polls coming up, uh, of course, uh, Sigourney, Iowa. Actually, I'll see if I can get Scott Alderson on next week for that. Um, As I travel out west there to go do uh, the three-day event there, of course, Matt Voss Memorial going to be back on Friday uh, supporting our long-lost Oliver Comrade. Uh, who passed away last year and had a great turnout the first year there for the class. And uh, his wife, Stephanie, wanting to bring it back this year to support the pullers that supported her in their time of need. Yeah. I mean, that was Good great, thing. great time. Um, we don't do birthday shout-outs much anymore, but I do have to give a birthday shout-out to uh, Mr. Ryan Rusnick. Happy birthday to that <laughs> asshole. <laughs> you know, Ryan, very, very good buddy of the sidetrack crew and uh, – Oh, he's a towering person in my life. Literally. <laughs> he's head and shoulders above the rest. No, actually, he's one of the people that gave us a lot of feedback about the last show. Thank you to all our listeners who do listen, and uh, especially those who want to reach out to us. You can always reach out to us, message us over sidetracked. Um, of course, a lot of you guys have us on our personal Facebook, so you can message us on there. Of course, our phone number is easily accessible. Um, you can get at us that way. Don't call here again, asshole. <laughs> There's, you know, the feedback was immense, to say the least. And yeah, I was actually pleasantly surprised. There's actually somebody paying attention to this shit. <laughs> oh, shit. And more than, I guess we got to mail out more checks this week. <laughs> like, oh, I, I like money. <laughs> well, not if they get the checks. <laughs> <laughs> This week, the first four receivers of our complimentary checks I can make that much money might get some seconds. money. <laughs> but uh, no leads us into uh, what we're going to be listening to today. But uh, also, before I get there, uh, White Pine, Tennessee coming up. TNT Motorsports doing uh, yet another indoor event. These guys are on a roll and putting on the horsepower shows across Kentucky and Tennessee all winter long. And, of course, our good buddy Dave Foltz is going to be behind the microphone once again as they invade White Pine for, what, I think the third or fourth pull they do a year. Yeah. Super modified four-wheel drive trucks, two-wheel drives, light-limited supers, uh, 10,000 hot farm, 8,500 pro farm, and pro street semis. Oh, and uh, two six, uh, two diesel, six trucks. diesel trucks. Yep, that's what's on the schedule down there, two nights. And uh, I know some goofballs are going to be going down. Yeah. Yeah, us. Dumbasses. Luckily for me, I've only got to get down to uh, Germantown, roughly, or Brooksville, or whatever you call that. I'm still waiting to find out if i got to go to Winchester first. Because I'm going to be carpooling with Mr. Dave Foltz, my uh, Kentucky brother. I don't think anybody realized how much him and I are close to being brothers till you actually see us and listen to us in person together. Because <laughs> <laughs> one of you talks funny. That's it. <laughs> yeah, and he keeps saying it's me, but he's full of shit. Um, 
No, Dave doing a behind the holler show uh, last night or this night is whatever you want. You know, we got that still fucked up schedule and how we record. But uh, no, uh, not much else going on right now. Of course, uh, Keystone, Keystone coming up next weekend too. Oh shit! Yeah, it is. Yeah. So uh, snuck up on me. Yeah, and then uh, then we're gonna have the Mid Atlantic Super Bowl the following weekend. Yes. Holy fuck, where's the winner gone? It's over, man. Done. It'll be UCC oh, before wait, we know it. Wait, no, never mind. I'm looking outside at a snowplow truck full of salt. <laughs> Fucking winner ain't done. Damn state. But um, got some stuff work on the works for April. I got to reach Michigan out to some people. But state. I think you like it a lot. Yeah, right. So uh, got a hell of an interview coming on today. A guy who reached out to us to talk about our opinions on Super Farm. And, as anything, it's our opinions. You don't like it? <laughs> Kiss my ass, you don't like it. <laughs> but, uh, Mr. John Silsby going to be joining us. Not in studio, of course, but uh, oh, via satellite phone. That's, still, that's still a fancy term, satellite phone. Yeah, I think that is. <laughs> Kids these days probably don't even know what the hell that is anymore. Or we could say bag phone. Yeah. Oh God! Now you're getting in my wheelhouse. I remember that. Being we there. got them plugged into the modem. <laughs> yeah. It's a piece of crap. It doesn't work. But uh, he's going to be coming on and talking uh, Super Farm and uh, explaining another side to uh, our opinion that uh, well, I don't think we gave enough thought to, and uh, definitely helped uh, change my thoughts on it. Yeah, no, he made some fantastic points, and he's not wrong. I still have strong opinions about what Super Farm ought to be as far as the com- the competitive side and, and how the tractors are built and structures and things of that nature, but he's not wrong in terms of what they bring to the table as a class. Oh, absolutely not. And uh, he, him reaching out to us and explaining that uh, made, me wanna, made us want to bring him on, so we're going to have him on uh, our show here tonight, and uh, I'm looking forward to that interview. Um, I'm getting a chance to talk to John. We don't get to see him very often, and last as, time we saw him was fair convention. And As president of Wolverine Tractor Pullers, which is the NTPA state affiliate here in Michigan, it also just makes sense for him, for him to be on our show, too. So Absolutely, because we really haven't done anything. We've had West Michigan Pullers we've talked with. We've talked with Thumb. Talked with Thumb. Um, MTPA, I mean, they've all been yeah, pretty well represented. We've covered the gamut, but we've never not, reached out to Wolverine. Not Wolverine, so it's, it's good that we could get John. We're here to cover pulling and... Not only U.S. and Canada, but, you know, we want to make sure we take care of our home state here. And you guys know how much we travel and where all we go. And out of anybody, I will say this right now, out of anybody um, that's doing podcasts right now, I don't think you'll find anybody put so many miles underneath their feet and covers such a broad, vast geographical region as we do covering events. So short of Brian Lively, who doesn't do a podcast, but... right. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to hit his mileage levels a year. No, no, absolutely not. But uh, he wears out cars. Ooh, ooh, we got a situation coming up here. Situation. Ooh, but uh, so pulling season wrapping up, getting ready to get going with the uh, or winter season's wrapping up, getting ready to go with the summer season, and uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, going to be a lot of mileage again. We're going to keep the train on its tracks, even though we do get derailed. Oh, we we get sidetracked all the time. Yeah, we should call a show that. And you, yeah, you know what I think we did. 
fuck, we did? Yeah. And if you want to hear the zaniness, and I don't know why I'm saying this on this podcast, because if you're listening to this show, you already know that it's there. There's now a dedicated page, Sideshows, on the Sidetrack Productions, Inc. website. Every podcast we have done is now there. All Well, now, including this one, 72 of them. I knew we weren't nearly as high up as you no, thought. But no, we weren't, but... We're getting there. And uh, the 100th show will be amazing. I think if, we, if we're consistent through the summer and can actually get in studio and do some shows, I think we could time it out where the, the season recap in the fall could be the 100th show. I can't count that high, so I'm going to take yeah. your word at it. Be sometime early November. Would we be right around 100? Oh man! And anybody looking to buy a website address? <laughs> I, our old one's for sale for one thousand eight hundred ninety-five dollars, which uh, is freaking hilarious. I think we paid fifteen for it. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. Somebody, hey. somebody looked at analytics and go, man, these guys get a lot of traffic. I'll tell you what, <laughs> if you're a potential sponsor, you need to talk to us because look at the return on investment we can do for you. <laughs> Which uh, we are out looking for sponsors again. You want on the cruise shirts, get a hold of us. We got our dollar amount to get on them as we're going to be getting them ordered very soon. As soon as uh, we need to get on that very quick. As soon as we get, get money them. too. Well, there is that, but I'd like to have them for UCC, but I, I, that may not happen at this point. Yep. So uh, with that, we're going to take a break and uh, get Mr. Silsby on the line. So with that, this is Sidetracked, powered by DHD. Dirty Hooker Diesel is your full-size diesel performance specialist in Harbor Beach. We're Michigan's final authority on anything performance and replacement related. Specializing in diesel performance parts and accessories for Duramax, Cummins, and Powerstroke diesel engines. From custom-built transmissions and engines to CP3 pumps and injectors. Check them out at DirtyHookerDiesel.com. Hi, this is Tony Burkett, owner of Dirty Hooker Diesel. We are a full-service repair facility that can handle any task from stock to modified, big or small. So give us a call, 989-479-0444. Dirty Hooker Diesel, the final authority on everything performance and replacement. And we're back with Sidetrack, powered by DHD, back here in the Second Baptist Bar and Grill Studios, uh, just because, well, we had a guest that uh, wanted to come on as we uh, did our show last week. I think we uh, spurred some how attention. Much he wa- I don't know how much he wanted to come on as he was coerced by us. <laughs> but, uh, you know, a lot of people giving us feedback on both sides of uh, our Super Farm discussion uh, yesterday, or last week. And uh, joining us today, uh, Grand National Super Farm Puller, and uh, also the president of Wolverine Tractor Pullers, Mr. John Silsby. How are you doing today, sir? I'm good. How are you guys? Well, if it wasn't for the snow in March, when it was 60 two weeks ago, I, I'd be doing okay. <laughs> well, somebody should have shot the woodchuck. <laughs> <laughs> guy's an asshole. <laughs> Right. So, Charles, you want to recap what what the discussion was last week as we get into this? Because this is this is I think what people have been uh, really talking about. Well, God, we uh, we did what we always do. We got a bit opinionated with our uh, feelings about Super Farm and where the class is and where it should be and what went on at uh, Louisville. And John 
came back at us with the, the counter-argument to that about, well, if, if you do win Super Farm altogether, what would you have? And especially here in Michigan, with the numbers being what they are, he made very excellent points, and um, we agreed with him. That's why we asked him to come on and present the other side of the argument. So, John, I mean, uh, fill us in on uh, where, uh, where, where our opinions are wrong on it. I mean, I'm not trying to just sound like an asshole about it, but, you know, what, what, show us the other side that we're missing here. And you, you, of all peoples, being not only a club president, but a competitor on the Grand National level, see more than we do. Well, and I am a little biased because I, I do love to compete. Um, I, I run a super farm because I don't know as there is a, a such thing as an entry level anymore. Even the cost of a, a good run super farm, you're going to be north of 130, 140. And, and if they call that entry level, um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to be able to be entry level. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, um, you know, the, there's room or there needs there's a need for every class out there, and the the niche, I guess, if you want to call it, that the super farms fill is they're they're at a level where you can get Grand National tractors running at state level hooks and still make the Grand National hook the next day. Um, you know, you just don't see that with unlimited mods or uh, full-blown pro stocks. Uh, they just, that's those classes are too hard on equipment. Yeah, I tend to agree with you on that front that that doesn't occur. And, and, I, and here, while you were saying that, the thought that was, thought bubble that was going off in my own head and it's probably taken it in the direction that you didn't, we didn't, I didn't anticipate for tonight's conversation was if we got away from the floating finish line and went back to the days of pull-offs where you had to build in some reliability, could that sort of thing come back? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, most super farms, if you give them 10, 15 minutes, they can take another stab at it. Um, where uh, I go back and it's it's kind of a personal pet peeve of mine, I guess if you want to call it that. But at the end of the year, I calculate how much it costs me every time I go down the track. And that's kind of a scary number. That's what I was going to say. That's got to be horrifying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, the re- <laughs> but the reality is it's probably, it's a lot worse as you go up in horsepower. There, there's only so much money to go around at that level, typically. Because the reality is, I think a lot of guys would just soon drive a full-blown pro stock or an alcohol unlimited super stock or an unlimited mod, right? But but the other reality is, is that just takes. If we think ours is expensive, holy moly, you know how would you, how does a a guy at my level even keep up with that expense-wise? Yeah, you bring up a valid point there, and actually, I was just running the numbers through my head, and it actually works out fairly closely across the tractor classes it is you're looking at about a thousand dollars a horsepower right now to be competitive in the sport of pulling right right well and then to take it to the next business level you've got to be able to at a state level for a club like wolverine 
you've got to be able to pull in enough vehicles to run Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday and Saturday. Okay. And there's a couple weeks that are literally that busy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so so if you take an unlimited mod or or a, uh, uh, a full-blown pro stock or a, a diesel super, to expect them to run day after day after day like that, uh, it, the engine components just won't take it, typically. I never say never. I mean, there are some pretty reliable ones out there, but the attrition rate is a lot higher. And the super farm class seems to be able to, to perform at that level. And if you're even a, a county fair doing a, a state-level hook, you know, you're looking at, by the time you get sled rental and everything else, you're looking at north of 15 grand to put your show on. Uh, and for that 15 grand, we need to be able to produce 25 to 35 vehicles, bumping going down the track. And, and what other classes can we come up with that we can reliably do that? Yeah. Here, here in Michigan, probably the only other one that gets remotely close is going to be the two-wheel drive trucks. That's it. Yeah, yeah. We get, um, you know, two-wheel drive trucks, but even though they all break, it doesn't matter whether it's a super farm, a two-wheel drive truck, or, or uh, an unlimited alcohol super. It's just how much does it take? and parts and, and everything else to put it back together once they do break. But <clears throat> because nothing, I, I'd be very impressed if somebody told me they could go, to, even with a super farm, go the whole season and don't have to throw a wrench at it. And, and um, you know, a typical budget, I would say, is in that 15, maybe 20 grand a year by the time you buy fuel to get to the place and the parts to replace what, the ones you break. Oh, absolutely. The cost of pulling has just astronomically gone through the roof. And, you know, Charles, it's it's ringing in my head still is bring back pull-offs. You know, the horsepower race, we've seen it. It's climbed insanely, you know, from what it was 20 years ago. And there was always progressive uh, amount of growth every year of horsepower, but that floating finish, we saw numbers skyrocket. You know, you saw diesel super, or super stock class go from 3,000 horse to north of 5,000 now. Pro stocks went from a 1,500, 2,000 horse class to if you're not north of four, you're not in the game. You know, and we always have said Super Farms a stepping stone. They're still at 1,500 horse. You know, now that you have the light pros and limited pros coming in, there is that so to speak, fill gap, but you're still only in the 2,000 to 2,500 horsepower mark. The gap to get to the big classes is still rather extreme. Well, and, you know, we look at other states that are strong, um, limited pro, light pro. And, and if you ask the average person in a crowd, there's, there's guys like you guys and, and the pullers and people that go to 20 pulls a year, they can point at a tractor, watch it get on the track, and they know roughly what class that belongs in, right? Yeah. But 90% of the crowd at a, a region hook or a, a state hook at a fair is going to have a tough time telling the difference unless somebody tells them what that difference is. Yeah, and you're so, 100% right. 
So at the end of the day, from a business standpoint, we need to be able to produce a couple of classes that are very, very reliable in numbers. And Because at the end of the day, we've still got to send 25 to 35 vehicles down a track to make the promoter feel like he got his money's worth because the, the people in the stands said, gosh, that was great. I'm going to come back next year. Uh, and, and they, you know, promoters, most of them are local fares. I would say the majority. And, uh, and they've got a bottom line to protect too. Based on what you see with Wolverine, I guess that, you know, that we'll use that as the example because that's, that's going to be your, your touchstone and what you're seeing out there going on. Is there a mentality change where competitors don't pick up a schedule in the spring and look at a particular week and say, man, I'm running for a championship. I got to back her down and I got to get through those seven days. Has it just become every time off the trailer, set it on kill, just win baby or blow it up? Um, I will tell you that there is still a thought process. If you're in the top three to five on a grand national circuit, um, Super farms will cross that line more than most. Um, but if you get into uh, four-wheel drive pickups or two, even two-wheel drive pickups, they tend to back off across in that line. Everybody's shooting for the enderling. And um, we're fairly fortunate that we still, out of the five that go to the enderling, we'll still have four, maybe three, that make all of our state hooks, or the majority of them. Uh, in our, um, so it's, it takes, it's going to take more of that, uh, thought process to keep the state hooks alive. And, and we kind of need the state hooks as a, a breeding ground, if you will, to bring along new pullers. Yeah. I, I guess to follow on with that, what would, what would be, and I don't have an answer. I'm, I'm just throwing mm-hmm. it up on the wall. What would you say to a, a promoter of a late season event that would the, the the changes they could make or the things they could do as an inducement to those competitors who are maybe out of a points race to still show up and and give it a, give it a go, give it a show, and, and rather than just say, "Well, my season's done, screw it." Um, I would tell you that that in Michigan, at least, we don't have too much trouble. You know, we get some later hooks in the year. We, we finish up in September uh, with Hillsdale. It's the last fair in Michigan. Yeah. Always been a good show up. for that because you get a lot of out-of-state guys because it was the last one really in the Region 2 area. Yeah. That was it. Yeah, yeah. We we always have a, a decent showing there of vehicles uh, because it is so late in the season. And, and usually the Enderly is kind of that, that mark where – the Grand National, the, the guys in the top four or five, after that, they'll come play, providing they haven't broke something pretty major, they'll come play just because it's another pull or two before the end of the year. You know, motors might be getting tired, but we got all winter to rebuild them. Uh, they got two or three more runs in them, let's go play. Uh, the, the promoters that I worry about, and, and quite frankly, that we struggle with are the ones around the big grand nationals like uh, Bowling Green. 
Yes. You know, you try to book uh, an NTPA vehicle pull a week before Bowling Green, and it's just a struggle. And that's uh, maybe it's a mentality change there, too, because that used to be one of the really cool things about the Saline State hook. They would run on Thursday and Friday, and then Inwood would be Saturday and Sunday after. You'd catch guys on their way to Inwood, rolling through town, would stop at the State hook, and you'd get a chance to see the, the Elmer Hogs and the Dennis Johnsons you wouldn't see up here ordinarily hitting a State show on their way to the GN. Right, right. It's a shame Where, that doesn't happen. Well, Celine, we actually are pretty fortunate there, though, because uh, Wasion is a uh, a fairly big region too. They do quite a few finals yeah. that night, uh, and and we'll almost always draw a good crowd from Wasion to Celine. Um, and so that one doesn't worry me a whole lot about drawing people or drawing vehicles, uh, simply because, you know, if, if Wasion went well for them and, and their vehicle's still running, it's, you know, a 25, 30 minute ride to Celine and you get to play again. Yeah. Um, you know, our later poll in the year of Centerville, you know, that one's always had plenty of vehicles because it's later in the year and, and, uh, uh, I think that time of year, guys are looking for more places to play if their equipment's still able to do it. That's one event I on the state level that I have not ever been to. It's one of the few that I've at some point have never hit. Um, I you know Centerville, I think it, it has a lot more potential. I think it could actually grow. We're working with them, trying to push them into a two-day show. I don't know if we're going to be able to do that this year, but. Um, but we got them at least looking at what Hillsdale's able to do, and, and Hillsdale seems to be able to pull off a two-day show. And Friday will always be bigger than Thursday, but Thursday is a, still a very nice crowd. Yeah, I used to sneak down there because I went to I went to college just up the road at, at Albion, and yeah, I used to sneak down for both nights uh, for all, all the years I was going to school down there, and enjoyed it every time. <clears throat> well, and and. Last year, Hillsdale made some tremendous strides at improving the track. You know, it used to be the old horse track, and it had quite a bank to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, first year I ever pulled, I ended up dragging Danny Nearpass down the stage. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I ended up facing the crowd in the middle of the track. Well, you got, <laughs> you've got some good company, though, because some big names have done that. Yeah. Well, it... it um, Last year, they actually leveled it up, and it was a lot better. And this year, they've actually, the stage is gone. Um, I know that they're, they've at least talked to the people that have the dirt they want to put in there for a new track. And it looks like we're actually going to get something done this year. Um, last year was 100% better than it's ever been because at least it was flat. And, and they had enough track equipment and the right track equipment there to keep the humps and the the moguls out of it yeah i'm sure as competitors you guys are looking forward to the new track but as a fan i i don't know the charm of it being so weird and different was what i liked about it well yeah i can see that from the fans point but um uh when the sled operator comes out of there with a goose egg the size of my fist from hitting his head on the roof (laughs) 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 and it wouldn't dan dan would look better after that (laughs) 
yeah. But then you you also stand on the other end and and you see super farms catching air at 250 feet, and that's just hard on on on, on equipment. You know, I can't even imagine what a mod does if a super farm can do that. So, you know, just out of pure safety, something had to change there. Yeah, um, that makes sense. And, and what they did last year by leveling it off and then keeping the moguls out of it, it made 10 times nicer pull for the pullers. And it still put on an excellent show for the crowd, probably one of the best shows they've had in 10 years. Um, and if they get some decent dirt in there, uh, I think it'll it'll improve it even more. You know, we'll get guys that have just refused to go there because the track has been so horrible. Um, and it's a, a decent facility, wonderful people. Uh, we just needed to get it a little more polar friendly and, and uh, keep guys from getting hurt. Yeah, I, I one year in particular I sat down there in the stands and uh, sat next to Tom Arps all night, which was really cool. Very nice man. Um but he, he, at one point, he said to me, he's like, two-wheel drives will never run here. And this would have been 98 or 99. He's like, no way. Can't can't happen. Well, and just the way that track was, it was harder on smaller tires than bigger tires. Yeah. You know, the Super Farms got away with it for quite a while. That combo class where we'd have maybe Sid with an alcohol unlimited come play for a night and and we might get Aaron's or somebody with a pro stock come play with us. Um, the bigger tires, we could tolerate that a lot better. You get four-wheel drive, uh, uh, alcohol four-wheel drive pickups or the two-wheel drive pickups. Uh, they really struggled. Last year was our first year for minis there. And the minis, uh, we had, I think we had six of them. And they actually had a good time, um, and they didn't tear their equipment up. Well, it sounds like things are – I've been kind of concerned about the, I guess, the, the state of Wolverine, but it, it sounds like things are actually coming around just a little bit this year. I think you guys may have picked up a hook or two. Yeah, I mean, uh, my personal opinion is that we should have brought minis on two years quicker. Um, you know, I'd like to see the uh, 3.0 diesel trucks the four-wheel drive trucks, um, you know, you either like them or you hate them, but at the same time, uh, there's a certain element in the crowd that loves them, and they help put on a good show. They're they're a good show for uh, what farm kid that has a diesel pickup doesn't want to see them, right? Oh, Andy Gerbaugh's head's exploding right now. It is right. exploding right now. <laughs> but, no, you're, you're right, and this is what I've tried, you know, people – you know, Charles and I both promote polls and help as, I don't know what you want to say, advisors for several others. And uh, one, I can't remember who it was just recently said something about, we need to get rid of the diesel trucks or need to get rid of the pick. Yeah. Diesel trucks. I go, you can't do it. They go, why? I go, I don't really like, I, I enjoy watching the class. I don't like watching the street legal ones. Oh, I remember where this was at now. <laughs> this is a meeting we had. One of the last big snows we had down at a little town just southeast of here, or southwest of here. But, you know, we got to get rid of these diesel trucks. They're not bringing anything. But the crowd that they bring in, their friends and family coming in, 
you know, and kids nowadays, so to speak, um, can relate to the diesel truck similar to what I could relate to the old street legal gas truck class that's non-existent out there anymore is, you know, everybody can relate to a big diesel truck right now. Well, and I think you're exactly right. It's that everybody has a preference of what class they <laughs> might like or, or might not like. That's just, that's just life. But there is a place, and from a business standpoint, there's a place for every class. And we need, you know, I don't care if you're a big Super Farm fan and you got Super Farm numbers. We're fortunate that's where we're at. But we, we can't put on a show all by ourselves. We need uh, diesel four-wheel drive pickups. We need minis. We need two-wheelers. We need four-wheelers. Um, because we still got to be able to send that 25 to 35 vehicles per show down the track. And if you go to the Big Grand National Pulse, there's probably not a class there that you don't need just because if you eliminated all the pickups and you went to, to more like a Gordyville. Now, Gordyville, they can fill the place because they got every tractor known to man that has a tractor-like hood on it. They've got 17 classes of hot farm. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and it's a cool pool to watch, and I didn't think I could get sick of pulling, but, you know, one or two days of that's plenty for me. Um, you must not drink much because after a while you, you don't seem well, to notice. <laughs> <laughs> no, there is that, but but at, at the end of the day, um, every single class brings a certain segment of people into the stand. Um, I know that I didn't go to Louisville this year, but last year I actually was a little laid up and had to have somebody else drive my tractor. The year before I did go. So for two years in a row, I ended up being on the hook for almost 100 tickets at Louisville. <clears throat> so there's there's the element of you got to sell seats, and how do you sell seats? You sell it with variety. Oh, ab- absolutely. And, you know, some of the, the diehard fans out there, yes, Andy Gerbaugh, I'm actually going to take a stab right at you, and I'll call you out because I know you can take it, is a lot of the diehard fans are going, well, the sport's changed, the sport's changed. Absolutely, the sport has changed. And first and foremost, as much as we enjoy the competition out here, but we as competitors, as promoters, as members of the inner workings of the polling world need to realize is we are still just entertainers. We are disposable income that people are using to spend on us. And as soon as we lose sight of that and quit growing trying to fit what our fans would like to see. I mean, you don't need to go out of your way to do it, but you do need to adapt to try to entice them to stay. As soon as you lose sight of that, we are done. Right. And, and there's a fine line because, you know, there's a, a lot of cry right now for light pros to, to be able to go component, right? Well, the problem <sighs> with that is, is how many of those guys do you weed out and, and do you thin your numbers down the day you do that? <laughs> oh, component. A that, that's a whole different topic for me. That's well. That's one class I, definitely should not because that, that is a great limiting factor for them on keeping their horsepower numbers in check. Well, and, and you know, 
my argument would be that if you want to take that class to component, it already exists, go to, go to a pro stock. Yes. If you want to limit the size of their chargers, that class already exists, go to Superfund. Um, so, and anytime you make a large scale change, I mean, if you want to change a turbo cover or you want to change something, I, you know, I wouldn't be necessarily opposing Superfund to a box turbo. Um, Outlaw where, does it successfully. Yeah, yeah, and and it, I I can tell you I see, I would see where that would uh, control some of the costs. Um, because simply because now we're taking a box turbo, and we're throwing another five or six thousand dollars worth of modifications in, and the longevity is very poor. You know, there's probably. I could I could give you at least a dozen instances where turbos just obliterated this year in that class. Yeah, they um, keep they keep chasing chasing in the margins and making those things so thin anymore. Well, and you know they're manipulating the exhaust fins to to be thinner, and then they, they're playing with the map rings, and at the end of the day, uh, they're making them pretty fragile. They they just they're not holding up to this, you know, 20, 30, 40 runs a year that, that tractors are being asked to do. Do um, I get asked a ch- question quick, Charles? Well, I was going to, we're kind of, we're at that point. So I, I actually, I, I think no. I'm going to ask the same one, but. Map with grooves or smooth boron super farm. Yep. How did that? I mean, yeah. How did that come yeah. about? How did that come about? Let's let's have some history on that. And I, I know because of your position, if you don't want to name names, that's okay. But um, how did that whole thing between NTPA and PPL really come about? Where? How? What was the timeline like for that? Um. Well, they started allowing mat grooves three and NTPA three years ago, I think. Uh yeah, twenty fifteen. Yes, and so. <clears throat> Don't ask me what our, my anniversary is, but I'll remember that. <laughs> um, and, and to be honest with you, that was 60 horse. Okay. It wasn't the beginning of the end all, but if you didn't have it, uh, it was tough to be a, a grand national competitor. Um, you know, if you, if you look at a, a full-blown pro stock, 60 horse, eh, maybe it is, maybe it isn't a difference on any given day. But at 1,500 horse, then 60 horse means a lot more. Um, and so we gained horsepower. We lost a little torque with the mat groove, and that's just the way it is. When that whole deal took place, you know, as I it was explained to me, was NTPA would go to the mat groove charger if PPL would get rid of the intercoolers, and then PPL didn't right. get rid of the intercoolers. Is there somebody still walking around kind of funny with a piece of stick broken off in them? I think so. Um, <laughs> And, and let's face it, if you look at events like Louisville, one of the best things the organizations could do to keep Louisville alive is agree on a set of rules. You know, in every other class, the rules are the same. You know, you look at pro stock, they bounce back and forth between PPL. Many bounce back and forth between PPL. Uh, two of drive trucks. And the reason they're able to do that is because their rules are basically the same on engine configuration, chargers, superchargers, whatever. Um, 
and so there would be a definite advantage to to all three organizations to have a level of of commonality. Uh, you know, they got a, a new PPL hook in Michigan over at the MIS. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in May, and you know, there's there's several of the Michigan groups that might wander over there and use it as a testing tune. Um, but to do it every day, I think you'd need water. You'd need the ice box to be, you know, competitive day in, day out. But we'll see, because I think there's going to be a dozen of them show up. Um, but it's, it would help the sport in general if they were more common, uh, because then you'd have numbers in different areas to draw from. I'm going to disagree with something that my co-host said here a minute or two ago about the idea that we need to remember that we're entertainers. I don't see this that way. I see this as sport. And if we're out there in the dirt doing things that are really awesome with trucks and tractors, people are going to want to come watch it. But the second I start trying to tailor my results to that attendance is the second I'm going to lose the handle on what we're doing. Well, I'm not saying we need to tailor results. I'm not saying we need to fix the game, so to speak. But once again, why did I quit watching hockey? Because it got to be all just about the money. They forgot that they were just entertainers playing a game. And uh, that was enough for me. I wrote it off. Sorry, you don't want to take care of your fans. Time for me to move on, find something else. So I've really found a good niche in uh, in, uh, um, curling lately. So... To fill that spot, but you know that—that's what it was meant by that. Is not do we need to tailor results? Do we need it to be quote unquote? I'll say it out loud, Monster Jam esque, where oh, uh, God, please you, no, you know what's going to happen more or less. It's just the fan doesn't want to admit it, or WWE, where you know who's going to win the battle royale. No, but we are entertainers. At least maybe the yeah. two goofballs that are on microphone. well my my opinion is is that we need numbers um you know when you go to toma or you go to uh, bowling green you're going to have numbers you just don't have to worry about that but virtually any other state or regional hook in the country we could use a few more numbers uh the more the harder you make changes like going from ag rear ends to components you're going to lose tractors just because of that. Uh, there's there's guys that aren't going to make that leap. And then there's going to be, you know, it's the, the 60-40 rule. 40% of them will probably make that leap just fine. There's going to be 60% that are going to struggle, and you're going to lose half of that 60. Yeah. Yeah, there's, um, been, there's been thresholds in regionally here in polling where we've seen that happen, uh, a major change would come along and yeah six to ten guys would do it and the other four would park them yeah it just they they're doing what they can do with the budget they have now and that's the way it is i mean uh for me to go to a, a very competitive limited pro it's more than just bolting on a 4-1 charger by the time you you might change your gear package a little bit you might you got to change your cam. You might go with a little different compression ratio. So you got to set a piston and squeeze in the deal. And you're certainly going to have to do some head work. Uh, yeah. To, to be competitive, you're probably looking at 15 to 25 grand. 
Well, we've seen that with you know with your employer, uh, Drew the Capozos. <laughs> they got a they got a, a head and an intake and a set of pistons that would be great for a still 4-1. for sale by the way. Still for sale. It'd be great for a four one charger. They took that bigger head off and and put what they ran this summer back on the tracker and, and found more power in a super farm setup versus the the big flow setup. Yeah, yeah, it's it's there's a finite deal of matching your cam to your head because you don't want your air to get lazy is what that really is boiling down to. Yes. Um but at the end of the day I I'm I really hope that um you know the the Louisville people can can <coughs> take the uh, the emotion out of it and look at the business side and the real problem in a lot of these situations to be honest with you when you start talking about I don't care if it's tire size that is a problem uh, I don't care if it's uh, map rings uh, whatever if you've got one or two trying to skirt that issue um that's probably a, an individual problem that needs to be dealt with. If you've got two-thirds of them that all of a sudden have a problem, you know, that's that's kind of like a, as an employer, I've got people working for me. And if one or two guys is kind of off the reservation, <clears throat> I probably have to go talk to them and bring them on. If three-quarters of my workforce is off the reservation, i got to look at what I'm doing. What am I doing wrong? And, and I really think the best thing we could do for the sport in general is when we start seeing groups, whole groups, that are having some issues like that, uh, it's usually an enforcement or a confusion or something along that line um, that if we tighten up that end of it, it just that problem goes away. Yep. No, you actually, uh, by bringing up business, um, that's another thing I wanted you to, to share with our listeners. Um, this is the uh, quid pro quo portion of the show where you get some free advertising on us. Your your tractor <laughs> has a really cool name, the Crop Doctor, but it ties into what you do every day. Tell, tell the listeners uh, how the Crop Doctor got its name and uh, what's behind that. Well, actually, uh, uh, I own a business. We sell chemical fertilizer and seed. Uh, we do a lot of crop consulting. And uh, uh, one of my bigger growers found out I was toying with this idea. And uh, he asked me what I was going to name the tractor. And I said, well, I haven't really figured that out yet. And he says, well, just name it the crop doctor. Um, because that's, that's primarily what I do basically on a daily basis is fertility recommendations, chemical recommendations, uh, insect and disease ID, that kind of stuff. <coughs> <clears throat> and so... It's, uh, uh, it probably isn't for everybody, but, um, it, it's what I get to do for a living. Um, and then actually some of my history, my great granddad, uh, and great uncle owned an international harvester dealership in Mason, Michigan, back way back, um, back when Provo sixes were being sold new and, uh, and if you look at the graphics on my tractor, the tractors I grew up on, a 1206, a 560, and a 1066, are ghosted in the back of a flag. 
I've never looked that close. Now I'm going to have to go thumbing yeah, through. Yeah, I'm feeling and, like an idiot. Yeah, I never noticed. <laughs> I didn't pick that out before. I'm going to have to go check that out now. We're on our way over. Have some flashlights out so we can look at the tractor. <laughs> okay. But, it, um, but that, you know, that was kind of, every tractor has a little history. And, and in a nutshell, um, those are the tractors, you know, when I was six, eight, ten years old, uh, one of the first tractors I ever drove on the farm was a 1206. And so that one was always near and dear to my heart. The The tractor I have for pulling tractors is a 1066, and I drove uh, that and some 1466s when I was uh, growing up on the farm. And and my dad actually had a, a light super out of a 560 back in the 70s. Uh, and that so that's the reasoning behind the 560 behind the graphics. I'm gonna have to dig for uh, some pictures and, and or uh, video of that. As oh, I've got a few banging around somewhere. Um, if you ever want them converted to video, to DVD or whatever, just let, get a hold of me. I can do it for you. <laughs> okay. Uh, <but coughs> that, would, that, that was way back in the Ellen Bomb days where he rode on the side and didn't the sleds didn't pull themselves back. But on their own and it's funny oh, i remember funny. that in the 90s <laughs> it's funny yeah. you mentioned that name because actually some of the video i've got to do next i've got to go up and get it this weekend is coming from daryl ellenbaum okay all right well when, we, when you're I was getting that this we, weekend right yeah okay i'm coming yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when i was a kid um we used to travel with a crowd that it had uh baker scott baker nolan hall um Keith Haynes and Max Simpson and and Roy and Steve Davidson and, and Kevin Buck and Wrightalls. Um, God, what a bunch that had to be to hang out I with. I was saying, there's a <laughs> mouthful right there. Holy cow. Yeah. Well, we went, when I was a kid, we went down uh, canoeing and down the Manistee River as a group one time, and, and uh, that was interesting. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> Baker can't swim, or couldn't swim, by the way. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, I'm just... Uh... Next week, we're going to have to get Chris and Tim to come on and corroborate some of these uh, stories. <laughs> Off-air details yeah. of what this trip was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Off the corner, Harold, when I see him over in shedding this, uh, this summer... Hey, what's this trip? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, they used to have a, a pole in Ken Ross, and there was three or four that they tied together up there. And, and that whole group as families would go up there, you know, near passes when they had the turbines, and, and we would go up there. Um, and it was, there was a few nights around the campfire that you woke up next to the campfire the next morning, too, but. I've never done that before. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but, but um, you know, those are, that's probably, you know, we're probably getting ahead of ourselves on the Legends thing, but that's why I, I enjoy what I do so much, uh, or what I, probably why I have the disease of, of pulling is because of those, those days when I grew up at that 8, 10, 12-year-old stage and, you know, you're not the first person to tell me about that Ken Ross poll, that, that series up there. I've heard it out of Harold Rydell. I've also heard it out of uh, Dick Lane, who we bought a yeah. his old mod off of, you know, the stories of going up to the Ken Ross poll. 
and uh, the nights up there after the poll. <laughs> yep. I understand there's some, uh, I, that's another one I got to get in touch with. I guess there's some film to be had of that event. Um, Mark Tuggle has some, Jerry Tuggle's boy. Oh, okay. Yep, yep. Jerry Tuggle pulled uh, a 560 right, like my dad, basically. He, he still, still has it. He still has it, and I desperately want it. <laughs> okay. I want it for that Legends Tour. I think it'd be awesome to have that out there. Cause, oh, yeah. Because the mod that we're doing for the Legend Tour isn't going to be enough. No, we got to have two. <laughs> I've been pushing Jerry to, for a price. <laughs> you'll have to uh, you'll have to talk to John Ellenbaum though about the border issues uh, when they were up at Kenross and trying to get back across the, the Canadian border. There's there's quite a story that goes with that. <laughs> I'm I'm very curious now, <laughs> especially because if you we do might it, have to do that one off air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll leave it there. <laughs> it was him and Kevin Buck and Marshall and Dodd Williams and and uh, something about some varmint hunting shells and that were underneath the seat of a truck or something. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> there seems but, to be a thing uh, about border crossing when it comes to pullers. Oh, my! <laughs> right. My uh, my fiance is a customs officer here at Port Huron and. Um, she makes sure she gives Bill Wright a hard time every time he comes over. <laughs> yeah, Bill's a good guy. What was the last you know, one? She came, he, They came over, and it was, I think, right before Bowling Green. And uh, she comes out with a styrofoam cup, and she goes, I need to check your water, please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we all know what that water's going to do to that styrofoam cup. <laughs> well, the next time across, ask her about how many F's. Tell her to ask Bill how many nightcaps he has. Oh, <laughs> oh God. I've had a few. <laughs> yeah. well, last, last time I saw him at Louisville, the number was somewhere north of can't remember. <laughs> I would buy that. Oh, we went. And I can say this whole story because uh, the evidence is on Facebook. It pops up every year. But uh, we had the poll in, uh, what was it? Alvinston? one night then the following night we went down to um wallace town and the alvinston pulled bill and margaret ann's is just down the road so we all caravan back there there's a bunch of the canadian pullers and we're all crashing at bill and margaret ann's farm so we get back and we go into the pole bar and we start drinking and we start drinking and there's about eight or ten of us and in Bill's barn, there's an old pulpit from a church. <laughs> <laughs> of course there is. So at three in the morning, Carl Cross, who does the show with us, oh, got up there and did. That's where those pictures came from. Did a sermon. I don't know what it was about. I don't think any of us remember, but it was one of those Bill, you know, Bill, oh, let's just have one more. Let's have one more. <laughs> Carl gets up there, gets preaching. Nobody knows what the hell it was about, but we've got video of it. <laughs> then we all drove hung over the next day down the next pole. <laughs> well, it, it, you know, that's the other side of this whole sport is um, uh, 90% of the people that I've been able to meet and fortunate enough to spend some time with 
uh, you know, they're they're just a second family. They're just wonderful people. I, yes, yes. Um, can't say enough about them. They, uh, you know, if you needed a, something and they had it, you know, they 90% of them want to beat you on the track. They don't want to beat you uh, off the side, and they give you their right arm if they thought it would get you there. And, uh, and it's just a wonderful group of people that you don't see that every day and, and in every sport even. No, I remember what was a Bowling Green two years ago now is uh, being tow vehicle driver for the Deck family. And uh, um, Steve Francis was out on line. He was like first hook or whatever. And uh, couldn't make his hook and come to find out uh, he had uh, popped uh, um, injector line. And I've never seen so many different teams go running back to their trailer to get a 93, you know, 93 line for a international. I think Dave Whalen or I don't, I think it was Dave Whalen actually ended up coming out with one and everybody's guns going, you know, fire suits and all trying to get this tractor back up and running just so, you know, they could go out and beat them, you know, as it wasn't, like you said, they don't want to beat you because of mechanical failure. You know, we want to get, get your heads up. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, you see that in almost every class too. I there's, I've seen two-wheel drive truck people do it. I've seen uh, pro stock guys. They'll three or four of them will get together and, and fix a, a problem if it's able to be fixed in a, you know a short period of time. Um, you go to sprint cars or anywhere else, and and at our level, and you just don't see that. And I think no. it's, it's a wonderful thing for our sport. That that's definitely a positive we have going for us. You know, Bowling Green last year, we're going around getting a couple shirts signed for the Make-A-Wish, and that's another thing, you know, seeing all the pullers come together to do stuff for Make-A-Wish, but, you know, we're back there, and I am uh, hit up uh, Travis uh, Schleibach and, you know, get get him to sign the shirt, and here's Steve Burge and all the, you know, all these other members of the Diesel Superstock class they're all elbows and assholes as they're swapping a complete, you know, swapping a yeah. motor out between sessions. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the iron that brought me. It's the people that keep me. And it is, it's a cool thing that, you know, anywhere from New York to Texas, I could probably pick up the phone and find a friend in any one of those States. Easy. Oh, I, absolutely. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm competitive. I, I would like to think I could win any day of the week, but in the same breath, um, that's only 50% of why I do it. The other 50% is just to be around the people, uh, get to know them, and, and truly enjoy them because it, everybody has a little different story and a little bit different twist, but, uh, but I have yet to get tossed out of a trailer. Um, and, and it's just a, you know, first time for everything, I guess, but. Uh, tossed, I've been, it, been tossed across one, but not out of it. Yeah. But it, but at the end of the day, uh, it just makes what we do that much more enjoyable when we can sit down afterwards and and shoot the shit and and just enjoy each other's company. Get the nail you on know, the head. And see how many dang chickens we can cook up one night at Bowling Green for and feed forty, fifty people, something like that. It, it just. Stuff like that, I, I enjoy just as much as pulling, to be honest with you. Hell, that was half a fair convention for us this year. <laughs> you know? Yeah, 
Right, right. We didn't make it very far because I think we spent the first two hours talking with you in Denver and <laughs> just kept yeah. going to different polars, you know. And you know that's that's what I enjoy about it too is the absolutely the people you get to meet and you know being able to have people like you on our show, you know, to discuss the sport and hear that different side and you know everybody's got a different take than what we have and Lord knows we capitalize on our opinions, you know, not necessarily what we do with our announcing by far but oh, definitely not no. what, we, what we do on this podcast is not what we do at an event Never. god fuck no <laughs> yeah, yeah. Start, starting with the starting with the cussing no you know and uh we we do this just because of the reason is this is the same thing we would do with you here in person is sit and talk bullshit and pulling you know and uh talk about the different throw the positives around that's where this show came about was you know, we're talking polling. Might as well discuss it and have people listen to it. Sure. You know, and, and both uh, of those listeners are still on the payroll. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I would just tell you from from uh, my point of view, um, anytime we can get more fan involvement, it's a great thing. Um, you know, if there are any fans listening that, that necessarily don't have a tractor but make it to two or three, four a year, um, you know, don't be afraid to approach us and, and talk to us. It's just um, part of the game is we like talking to people about what we do and how we do it. Uh, you know, you probably won't learn all the trade secrets or anything like that, but don't ever be afraid to approach us and ask us a question. Uh, we're all about sharing some experience and, and making sure your kids having a good experience. You know, it, we want them to bug you for a ticket to go next year, too. Can't tell you how many times I boosted a kid in the seat of, you know, pull, hey, my kid wants a picture of this pulling tractor. I'll turn on the puller. Hey, my, no, put him up there, you know. Get a picture in the sure. seat, you know, holding the steering wheel or just smiling up there in the cage, you know. That's half the fun of having a tractor is being able to put a kid up there so they can take pictures on it. Well, and just, uh, you know, we need to do more of that to help promote our sport um, because at the end of the day, People like watching it once they get a, a taste for it. I, there aren't that many that don't like it. Um, the guys that do it obviously don't do it for the money. They're doing it because they like doing it. Um, Wait, we get money for this? <laughs> not enough. No. <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, um, we're involved and we're doing it because we believe in what we're doing as, as far as um, having some fun, putting on a show. Um, we are competitive, or we wouldn't do it probably. Um, but at the end of the day, we're just tickled to death. Uh, at least I'm tickled to death to be able to, uh, afford the time and, and resources it takes to do things at the level I do it at. Absolutely. Um, you know, I don't want to wrap up too much more of your time, John, because I know you're a busy man and probably want to go do something more productive with your life and talk with us. But, you know, we hinted at it already, but let's, let's hear your list. Your legends and heroes. We do them with everybody. Uh, let's lay it out. Who, who really influenced, uh, John Silsby in the sport? I would tell you the, the biggest influence I had was probably my dad. Um, you know, I, he would never actually let me drive his tractor when I was a kid. Uh, but I always was just fascinated with, what he was able to do and and people around him and uh to be honest with you the other guy that 
that I really look up to uh, and have learned a lot from over the years is Max Simpson. Um, you know, Max has has uh, just a wealth of knowledge, and and he's always treated me very, very good when I've asked questions and um, and and just looked for a little help. And I, I just can't say enough about Max either. So that's a good. Uh, those that's a good the one. Two that come off the top of my head right away. Max Max is a bucket list interview for us. He, we'd definitely love to have him on sometime. Yep. Yep. Max is. Uh, like I say, I, I'll, I'll, I got a little favoritism to my dad, but Max is right up there. Absolutely hard to argue with that list. John, any last plugs you want to make for Wolverine here? You know, I mean, you guys got your schedule coming out soon, I'm sure. But uh, where, where can they find Wolverine Pullers? Where can they uh, keep up on our state-level NTPA club? All you got to do is Google WolverinePullers.com. Uh, pulls you right up to our site. Uh, we do have a meeting a uh, week from tonight in Charlotte, Michigan. If you've got any interest in pulling or uh, uh, being part of the club, uh, I would encourage you to come on up. It's at 7 o'clock at the Eagles uh, in Charlotte. Um, and our membership has been growing. It's continuing to grow. It uh, looks like we're going to be up again this year. Um, and we're, we're trying to be a little more progressive than we maybe, uh, have seen in the last four or five years. We're, we're hoping that we can look to the future a little bit more and, and, um, bring some, some new and inventive things, uh, while keeping intact our base and, and not forgetting about the people that got us where we're at today. Well said. And I think, um, as we get, as we get towards the season, you know, maybe May or or, or June sometime, uh, if if you're okay with it, we'd love to touch base with you and uh, get a Wolverine update uh, on the show. Absolutely, sounds good, John. Thanks for coming on. Uh, just hold on one second. We're going to go to commercial here. This is sidetracked, powered by DHD. You make your living going up and down the road, and time is money. Would you like to save from 5 to 25% on fuel, up to 25% more power with better bottom-end acceleration? You need to get with DieselFreak.com and their truck tuning services. Works for Cummins, Caterpillar, Detroit Diesel, and more if you want to kick it up another notch. You can get their off-highway tuning for high horsepower. It'll unlock the RPM limiters, twin turbo setups, VGT turbo replacement, EGR valve delete, DPF delete, urea delete, and more, and it all comes with a 30-day warranty. Not only that, they've also moved into the agriculture realm. They'll bring their dyno on site to you. Get a baseline on your tractor, write a custom tune for it, load it up, and show you the difference. Also, with a 30-day warranty, save fuel, increase power with performance tuning from DieselFreak.com. For Case IH, Callenger, Klaus, Fent, John Deere, Massey, Ferguson, New Holland, Belcher, and more, DieselFreak.com. They can be reached at 989-748-4145, 989-748-4145. Ask for Wade and tell them the bullet. Radio Network sent you. Throw it on. And we're back with uh, Lunacy with Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> oh, I'm getting tired. Boring. Eh, probably the whole first part of the show. The second part was really good. Oh, boring. Yep, we're back boring. to that stage again. 
But uh, I got to get out plowing or salting, not plowing right now. So with that, we're going to leave you with this. Good night. My name's Armstead. My name is Posh. Bye-bye, son of a bitch.